Welcome to Zichud Avsi Man Memory of Ram Gold Hayan. Today we're with Rosh Hashanah Dav Test, the first parak of Rosh Hashanah. This Masech has been generously sponsored as a schus for Chayabas Esther. So the three dots we're going to focus on. Number one, a bright sign Dav Ches Amabay stated that generally we are mosifing Mechol Al Kosh. We add from the mundane unto the holy. The warrants here asks what the source is for the principle and brings a bright that teaches. The Pasik states, Bacharish Bakatsu Tishbos, at the plowing and the reaping you shall rest. Rabbi Kiva interprets this Pasik as discussing the Shemitah year. He therefore says the Pasik does not need to say that one should assist from performing the plowing and reaping on Shviz, for it's already stated, Sadhachalot your field you should not sow, which prohibits most agricultural work during the Shemitah year. Elchar shall ever Shviz, Bakatsu shall Mosi Shviz. Rather, it teaches that one must desist even at the plowing of the year before the seventh, whose benefit enters into the seventh, and that one must prescribe Kedusha Shviz to the reapings of the seventh year produce, whose growth continues into the year after the seventh. Rabbi Shmuel, who interprets this Pasuk as discussing Shabbos, learns the principle of Mosif Mechol Kodesh from the Pasuk dealing with fasting on Yom Kippur. Point number two, the more brings the Malchokas and I'm regarding the Pasuk Yobo, he, it is Yobo, Afu Bishol Shamtu, Afu Bishol Ataku. The inclusionary term Yobo teaches that even if the people did not abandon their fields to their ancestral owners, and even if they did not send their shofar, the year retains its Yobo status. Therefore, it's forbidden to work the land. Now, it could be thought that Yobo takes effect even if they did not send away the slaves. The Pasuk therefore states the exclusionary phase, he, it is, to teach that a year in which the slaves are not freed, cannot attain Yobo status, Div Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi says that the Pasuk is coming to include that even if they did not abandon the fields or send away the slaves, it is Yobo, and it's coming to exclude sounding the shofar, so that if it was not sounded, Yobo does not take effect. Rabbi Yossi explains that it is reasonable that the Torah will make Yobo dependent on an act which is always feasible, such as sounding the shofar, and not on an act that might be impossible to perform, such as in the case where there are no slaves to free. Also, sounding the shofar is Masura Labaisten, within Basin's power to perform, whereas freeing slaves is not. And point number three, Rabbi Chiyabar Abatat, but the Chamim say that all three requirements, referring to relinquishing ancestral lands, blowing the shofar, and freeing the slaves, are essential for the year to attain Yovel status. When the Gemara asks what the exclusionary term Yovel comes to include, it answers, that it teaches that the laws of Yovel are in effect even outside of Eretz Yisrael. When the Gemara further objects because the Pusik states, you shall proclaim liberty in the land, which implies that Yovel takes place only in Eretz Yisrael, it answers, that this expression comes to teach that only at a time that liberty is practiced for slaves in Eretz Yisrael, it's practiced outside of Eretz Yisrael as well. But at a time that's not practiced in Eretz Yisrael, it's not practiced outside of Eretz Yisrael. So once again, the three points are number one, a bright sun dav ches stated that generally we are mosifim mechol al-kodesh. We add from the mundane unto the holy. The Gemara here asks what the source is for this principle and brings up Bryce that teaches. The Pasuk states, tishbos. At the plowing and the reaping you shall rest. If you keep interprets this Pasuk as discussing the Shemitah year, he therefore says that the Pasuk does not need to say that one should desist from performing the plowing and reaping on Shviz, for it's already stated, Your field you shall not sow, which prohibits most agricultural work during the Shemitah year. Rather, it teaches that one must desist even at the plowing of the year before the seventh, whose benefit enters into the seventh, and that one must prescribe Kedusha Shviz to the reapings of the seventh year produce, whose growth continues into the year after the seventh. Rabbi Shmuel interprets this Pasuk as discussing Shabbos, learns the principle of Mosif Mechol Kodesh from the Pasuk dealing with fasting on Yom Kippur. Point number two, the Gemara brings the Malchokas and I'm regarding the criteria necessary for the laws of Yovel to take effect. 
It was taught in the Bryce regarding the Pasuk, Yobo, he, it is Yobo, Afo Bishol Shamtu, Afo Bishol Taku. The inclusionary term Yobo teaches that even if the people did not abandon their fields to their ancestral owners, and even if they did not sound the shofar, the year retains its Yobo status. Therefore, it's forbidden to work the land. Now, it could be thought that Yobo takes effect even if they did not send away the slaves. The Pasuk therefore states that the exclusionary phrase, he, it is, is to teach that a year in which the slaves are not freed cannot attain Yovel status, Divi Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi says that the Pasuk is coming to include that even if they did not abandon their fields or send away the slaves, it is still Yovel and it's coming to exclude sounding the shofar so that if it was not sounded, Yovel does not take effect. Rabbi Yossi explains that it's reasonable that the Torah will make Yovel dependent on an act which is always feasible, such as sounding the shofar, and not on an act that might be impossible to perform, such as in the case where there are no slaves to free. Also, sounding the shofar is Masur Basin, within Basin's power to perform, whereas freeing slaves is not. And pointing through, Bechibar Abatat, Abachachamim Omrim Shoshim Akvos. But the Chachamim say that all three requirements, referring to relinquishing ancestral lands, referring to relinquishing ancestral lands, blowing the shofar and freeing the slaves, are essential for the year to attain Yovel status. When the asks what the inclusionary term Yovel comes to include, it answers, how da afil that it teaches that the laws of Yovel are in effect even outside of Eretz Yisrael. I think more further objects because the Pusik states, you shall proclaim liberty ba'aretz in the land, which implies that Yovel takes place only in Eretz Yisrael. It answers, that this expression comes to teach that only at a time that liberty is practiced for slaves in Eretz Yisrael, it is practiced outside of Eretz Yisrael as well. But at a time that's not practiced in Eretz Yisrael, it's not practiced outside of Eretz Yisrael. All right, so now we go to Simbradav Tess, and our standard Simbradav is a teapot because a teapot starts with a t sound, and also because a test sort of looks like a teapot. So here goes. The little old ladies who had a tea party when they put down their plows before the Shemitah year began to be Mosif Mechol Kodesh, chattering that they overheard Yobel begin, even if they don't abandon their field to its ancestral owners, couldn't believe it when they heard that people even in Chutzlarts were freeing their slaves. Once again, in slow motion. The little old ladies who had a tea party, tea party, that must be on Duff, test, teapot. The little old ladies who had a tea party when they put down their plows before the Shemitah began to be Mosif Mechol Kodesh, which reminds us we have Malchus regarding the source for Mosif Mechol Kodesh. Rabbi Kiva learns it from Bukhar Shibukatsir Tishbos, which he says applies to the Shemitah year. Since we already know that agricultural work cannot be done during Shviz, based on the Pasuk Sadachal Asisra, he applies it to before and after Shviz, that one must assist even at the planning of the year before the seventh, whose benefit enters in the seventh, and that one must prescribe Kedusha Shviz to the reapings of the seventh year produce, whose growth continues into the year after the seventh. Rabbi Shmuel, who interprets this Pasuk as discussing Shabbos, learns the principle of Mosif Mechol Kodesh from the Pasuk dealing with fasting on Yom Kippur. So the little old ladies who had a tea party when they put down their plows before the Shemitah year began to be Mosif Mechol Kodesh, chattering that they overheard Yovel will begin, even if they don't abandon their field to its ancestral owners, which reminds us, we have a regarding the criteria for Yovel to take effect. Rabbi Yudah says, it will take effect even if the people do not abandon their fields to their ancestral owners, and even if they do not sound the shofar, but will not take effect if they do not free their slaves. Rabbi Yossi says it will take effect even if people do not abandon their fields to their ancestral owners, nor free their slaves. It will not take effect if they do not sound the shofar. And two reasons are given. So the little old ladies who had a tea party when they put down their plows before the Shemitah began to be Mosif Michol Kodesh, chattering that they overheard Yobel begin, even if they don't abandon their field to its ancestral owners, couldn't believe it when they heard that even people in Chutzlarts were freeing their slaves. 
which reminds us that the Chachamim say that all three elements are essential for Yovel to take effect. The exclusionary term Yovel has come to teach that the laws of Yovel are in effect even outside of Eretz Yisrael, and people must free their slaves. That is, if in Eretz Yisrael they are freeing their slaves. So once again, the little old ladies who had a tea party when they put down their plows before the Shemitah year began, to be Mosif Michal al-Kodesh, chattering that they overheard Yovel begin, even if they don't abandon their field to its ancestral owners, couldn't believe it when they heard that even people in Chutzlars were freeing their slaves. All right, now it's time for a four block back Chazara. Daf hey, so the simmer Daf hey is hey. So here goes. The children joyously jumping in the hey, hey, that must be one Daf hey. The children joyously jumping in the hey for the seven days of Tashimim for Shavuos, which reminds us, the Gemara asks where the Tanakam and Rabbi Shimon derive that Shavuos has seven days of Tashimim and answers that they derive it from the source presented in the Bryce atop of Rabbi Bar Shmuel, which taught, the Torah said two things, count days and sanctify Rosh Chodesh, count days and sanctify Chodesh Shavuos. This teaches, just as the beginning of the month is sanctified for a period equal to one of the units by which it is counted, meaning a day, so to Shavuos is sanctified for a period equal to one of the units by which it is counted, meaning a week. So the children joyously jumping in the hay for the seven days of Tashumim for Shavuos, Watching the Balta Acher Parade, featuring several Chiyuvim, such as Nadarim and Nadavos, as well as Pe'eleka and Sadaka, which reminds us that Bryson Dav Dawud Amadav listed several obligations that are subject to the prohibition of Balta Acher, such as Nadarim, Nadavos, Hekdeshos, Sadakos, Maisos, Bechor, Pe'eleka, Shechel, more. The Gemara here brings the source for each of these rulings. So the children joyously jumping in the hay for the seven days of Tashlumi for Shavuos, watching the Balta Acher Parade, featuring several chiyuvim, such as Nadarim and the Davos, as well as Pe'eleket and Zadaka, were fascinated when one man noticed a blemish on his offering and transferred its Kedusha to a substitute. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks what the Bryce is referring to when it teaches that one is not high for Balta Acher, for delaying payment of chilufa and substitute. And after the first explanation is rejected, Rav Shesha said, We're doing the case where two regain passed, and the original Oa Shlami became blemished, whereupon he transferred his kedusha to another animal, and one more yantav passed. You might have thought, Since the substitute comes by virtue of the first offering, it's treated as a single offering that passed three regain, and the owner should be chayiv for Baltahir. The pas is coming to teach that he's not chayiv. Davvav, so the similar Davvav is a sword. So here goes. The wealthy sword swallower. Sword? That must be more on Vav. The wealthy sword swallower, who gave out tzedakah immediately to the anim, lined up and watching him perform, which reminds us, we learned from Befichot that one is high for Balta Acher on tzedakah, and he has to give it out immediately because the anim need it immediately without delay, and he shouldn't think that he's only high after three or going past, like in the case of Karbanas. So the wealthy sword swallower, who gave out tzedakah immediately to the anim, lined up and watching him perform, because he learned that one is chai for Baal Ta'acher each and every day after the deadline, which reminds us one is chai for Baal Ta'acher for each and every day after the deadline passes. The Mary explains that since the mitzvah of Baal Ta'acher does not apply at night, since korbanas cannot be offered at night, therefore the mitzvah is renewed each morning. So the wealthy sword swallower, who gave out tzedakah immediately to the anim, lined up and watching him perform, because he learned that one is chai for Baal Ta'acher each and every day, after the deadline, realized his wife was feeling left out of Baltacher, so he gave her a beautiful sword necklace to be Masamecher for the Chag. Which reminds us, Rabbi Zayn inquired if women are Chayv in Baltacher, perhaps since they're not Chayv in Re'iya, they're not Chayv in Baltacher, or perhaps since they are Chayv in Simcha, they are Chayv in Baltacher. According to Bai, women are not Chayv in Simcha, rather it's the husband who's Chayv to be Masamecher. Dav Zayn, so the Simcha Dav Zayn is a gun. So here goes. 
The gunslinger, gunslinger, that must be on Duff. Zion, Clay Zion, gun. The gunslinger knocking out targets with suggestions for other Nissan, Rosh Hashanahs, which reminds us, the Gore explains that the reason our time does not include months in the Mishnah is that he's discussing the ways in which the year is relevant to years, meaning to 12-month periods that have a lachic significance. He's not discussing ways in which it's relevant to months. He did not include Iburim because he's only discussing beginnings. He's not discussing culminations, such as the end of a period when the court may proclaim a leap year. And he didn't include the separation of Shkalim, since the Brites had taught that if one brought the funds from the old year, he fulfilled his Chiv, and therefore the Tanakh could not state it as an absolute rule, but this implies it would invalidate the old Shkalim. Therefore he chose to omit this halach entirely. So the gunslinger knocking out targets with suggestions for other Nisan Rosh Hashanahs, who was thrilled when it was determined after Purim, that it was an Eber year, giving him a second Adar of rent. Which reminds me of a Machlux regarding until when can one add a leap year? Is it the entire month of Adar or only until Purim? The Gemara explains that the reason for limiting the adding of a leap year only until Purim is that since people learn the Halachos 30 days before Pesach, the people might come to be lax and observing the prohibition against Chametz. Rashi explains that people in the distant communities will have it fixed in their minds that Pesach is in 30 days and they'll not listen to the messengers that come who tell them that it's a month later. The more expensive the other time would respond that people know that declaring a leap year depends on calculations, and the reason for the delay was that the rabbis didn't finish their calculations until this time. So the gunslinger knocking out targets with suggestions for other Nisan Rosh Hashanahs, who was thrilled when it was determined after Purim that it was an Eber year, giving him a second Adar of rent, shot up his leaks in fury when he realized he signed it that it was for this year and expired the first of Nisan. Which reminds us that if one said that the period of the lease was for Lashana Zot this year, then even it was on the first of Adar, when the lease was signed, Kevin Shigi Yom Echel Nisan also Lashana. As soon as the first day of Nisan arrives, a year has been completed. The Gemara explains that even according to the one who holds Yom Echel B'Shana Chashuv Shana, one day of a year, is considered like an entire year, it's different here. Because a person doesn't bother to rent a house for less than 30 days. So the simmer Davches is Chala. See, here goes. The special Chala, Chala, that must be more Davches. The special Chala served at the Rosh Hashanah meal, marking the seasons and day of judgment, which reminds us we have three different Pshatim for what the meaning is that the first of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah for Shanim for years. It's either for Shtaros, for Tukufo, seasons, or for din, the makor that it's for din, for judgment, is from the pasuk Mereshi Zashana Badakrishana. The eyes of Hashem are on it, meaning Eretz Yisrael, from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. This means Mereshi Shana Nidon Mayebasofa. From the beginning of the year, judgment is issued regarding what will occur at the end. So the special challah served at the Rosh Hashanah meal, marking the seasons and day of judgment, was baked in the shape of a shofar in front of a covered moon, which reminds us the Gemara continues and asks how we know that the pasuk. Is referring to Tishrei and answers, for it's written, at the moon's renewal when the moon is covered on our festive day. Now, on which Chag is the moon covered? You must say that this is Rosh Hashanah. For Rosh Hashanah is the only Chag that falls at the beginning of the month when the moon is hidden from view. And it's written in the next Pasik, because it's a statute for Yisrael, a judgment day until the God of Yaakov. We therefore see that Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. So the special Chag. Served at the Rosh Hashanah meal, marking the seasons and day of judgment, 
was baked in the shape of a shofar in front of a covered moon and was presented on a platter inscribed Happy Start of Yovel Year to liberated servants wearing crowns on their head. Which reminds us, the Mishnah stated that the first of Tishrei is the Rosh Hashanah for Yovel is the Yovel years. They were asked how this can be, but the Rosh Hashanah for Yovel is on the tenth of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur. The Torah therefore states, Vikidash Mishnah Sachamishim, you shall sanctify the fiftieth year, Melamed, Shemiskadeshes Vaholachis Mitchilaso. This teaches that the year becomes sanctified from its beginning meaning from the first of Tishrei. From the first of Tishrei, it was forbidden to work the land, and while slaves could not yet return to their homes, they were not enslaved to their masters. Rather, they would eat and drink and rejoice with crowns on their head. All right, so that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Abram Golden Zichu. Wish you a great day and great learning.